Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Reggie Greer, the new LGBTQ vote director for 2020 Democratic presidential nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden. The Texas native will talk about life on the campaign trail in the age of corona and how a Biden presidency will look like. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention, familia. Thank you to all of those who are marching in support of Black Lives Matter and honoring the memory of George Floyd and many others killed by law enforcement. Here's a quick tip sheet provided at recent marches for all of us non-Black allies participating in these demonstrations. Number one, amplify black voices. Don't lead the chance. Number two, don't post videos or photos with protesters' faces. Only document encounters with law enforcement. Number three, be a physical barrier. Use your body and privilege to create a distance between black people and the police. Number four, don't provoke or antagonize the police. Black folks will face much harsher retaliation than you from the police. Number five, don't police or tone down black protesters. Number six, if someone is getting arrested, ask their name and birth date. Share this info with organizers so they can be bailed out. Number seven, stay on message. Don't use a Black Lives Matter protest to push another agenda or cause. Thank you for hearing this request. It is your First Amendment right to assemble. But remember, be a good ally. This past week, former Vice President Joseph Biden clinched the required delegate count to become the Democratic nominee for the 2020 presidential election. My District of Columbia vote, which was held on June 2nd, had a little something to do with it. You're welcome, Joe. Before I cast my ballot in the D.C. primary, the Biden campaign hired a good friend of mine and fellow Texan, Reggie Greer, to be his LGBTQ vote director to reach out to people like me. As a young black appointee in the Obama-Biden administration, Reggie had the opportunity to see and learn firsthand of Vice President Biden's dedication to LGBTQ advocacy, his willingness to ensure LGBTQ voices were at important decision-making tables, and his lifelong commitment to elevating the most marginalized across various communities. Today, I talk with Reggie about what a Biden presidency will look like and how the election season has been altered by current events. I want to welcome to the show my very good friend, Reggie Greer. Welcome, Reggie. Hi, Jesse. I've been good friends with him since the 2016 election. That's when we met. We worked with the Obama campaign um, and the Obama administration, but we also were ready to go and get folks ready for the 2016 uh, election. It didn't go our way, but Reggie still remained involved. And he is so involved this year because now he's been appointed to Biden's team to do LGBT outreach. Reggie, thank you for taking the role. And tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up in DC and in this role? 
Sure. Uh, well, first of all, Jesse, thank you for having me on your show. And um, it's, uh, it's such an incredible honor, um, and not only to be doing LGBTQ outreach for the vice president, um, but, uh, but really to uh, start engaging in a substantive way with uh, people I'm lucky enough to call friends, and you're included in that. So I, I think that I, I um, you know, I think that's probably the part of the job that is the most um, um, gratifying is that I get a chance to um, do this work alongside so many great movement leaders um, and people who are thinking through all of our um, all of our communities and how, how do we, yeah, and how do we lift all of us together, um, especially as we are confronting, uh, you know, um, a, a government that's willing to um, um, sow division among us, and uh, and obviously a pandemic that's still wreaking havoc in our in our communities. So, you know, just thinking about what a post all of this world looks like, um, I'm just happy to be able to do this with with friends and and with people I love and respect. Um, so, thank you, Jesse. Can you confirm a rumor? Yeah, go ahead. Are you from Texas? I am. I am. Oh, yeah. So where in Texas. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm from Wichita Falls. Yay! Uh, near the uh, Red River, uh, northern part of the state. Uh, it, it is a place. Uh, the nickname of the town is a city that Faith built, um, and it is such a nice. Um, um, inclusive and warm American town, right? And 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 I ha I really did appreciate growing up there. Um, uh, you know, and some of my teachers and neighbors sort of really helped me figure out who I was, even outside of the my you know LGBTQ identity, which I only stepped into later in life. Um, but you know, because I've had I had so many wonderful, loving friends and family and teachers and neighbors, you know, I think that that has guided my approach today uh, in, in being just as inclusive and just as loving. Um, so yeah, I born and raised in Wichita Falls. I um, was born with a, um, a disability as a, as a birth defect called hemifacial microsoma, which is um, in the same family as cleft, uh, cleft lip and palate. Yes. So, you know, I had, I had um, 18 surgeries between the time I was born and um, uh, the time I graduated high school. And that also sort of colored how I viewed life, that no one's life is a quote unquote normal. Everybody has their own journey. Um, uh, it's actually one of my favorite quotes is from um, uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, when she said that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing her, but you know, your life, uh, you are the sum of your life's experiences. And, and, and I'm totally uh, a living testament to that. Like everything that's happened to me or everything that I've gone through, all the scars that you have, yeah. uh, and I meant emotional scars that you get when yeah. people bully you, uh, when you you don't get that job, you don't get that opportunity. It makes you a stronger person. It makes you a stronger person. Yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I and I and you know people people always would say, you know, do you wish that some things didn't happen to you? And I always say I um, am grateful for what has happened to me because not only has it made me stronger but it's given me a perspective that i think people live their whole lives wanting right how to be able to relate to other people how to be able to walk into someone else's community and say i actually can empathize even if i can't speak to 
you know, or completely speak to your lived experience. I can at least empathize. I at least sort of understand where you're coming from. So I'm I'm lucky to have had so many different experiences um, from school, from the surgeries, um, um, and from professional experiences that allows me to relate to people and and um, reach out to people. So what schools did you go to that prepared yeah. you for this political life? Yeah. So you know, I I um. I, uh, once I left Wichita Falls, um, I went to college at Georgetown, came to DC because you know, growing up in a place like Wichita Falls and reading books about presidents and, 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 and watching the West Wing and, um, you know, uh, being obsessed with um, public service, it guided my interest in it all. So I knew I wanted to come to school um, somewhere in Washington or somewhere near it, or at least try. <laughs> right. So um, worked hard, got into Georgetown, went to Georgetown and had a blast. Um, and uh, I think that Georgetown, I always say, laid a really strong foundation for me for wanting to continue in public service. Part of the reason why I'm still here in D.C. today um, or do you know have worked in and out of politics and in government service. Um, because I, I, I believe in it. I believe that people's lives can be improved if you have people of integrity in political office or in um, civil service. And we see that today, right? Like uh, leadership matters, people, good people in government matters. If you don't, you end up with a government that's okay with, you know, putting kids in cages and, and um, you know, pushing trans people off of, of uh, access to healthcare, you know, uh, eliminating that um, during the middle of a pandemic, right? Exactly. Um, you know, so it's so important to me that we get our people to the table. So you had a very powerful position, just like helping find those candidates at the Victory Fund, where you support LGBTQ folks running for office, finding those candidates, prepping them, and raising money for them, and educating all these individuals about these good candidates. What made you decide to leave that for the Biden campaign? Sure. Yeah, and 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 thank you for that because it allows me to give it such a, you know, um, my, admir my admiration um, for Victory's message, Victory Fund, Victory Institute, um, and and the work that um, you know Mayor Anise Parker has done, and and obviously the work of, of the team that's there, Sean Malloy, who's the political director, helping to find those candidates. I myself was on the institute side where, you know, I sort of had. Um, the honor of helping to find public servants who could um, be in um, appointed positions in the federal government um, and and also had the honor of supporting LGBTQ elected officials in the work they were doing to advance equality around um, the country. And um, again, it's, it's, it's the same argument that if uh, a president, a president uh, is able to make 4,100 appointments in his or her administration. That's 4,100 people who are given the task of, of, of doing everything from um, writing policies on your health care to uh, figuring out how your community's uh, transportation systems are developed or constructed, um, your education, um, uh, your education policies at the federal level, um, environmental policies, uh, labor policies, so forth and so on. And it really does matter if, if you're able to get a considerable number of LGBTQ 
people into one of the, into those positions, all of a sudden, LGBTQ voices are everywhere, right? And they are reflected in the policies being pushed out of the White House. Um, President Obama and, um, and uh, Vice President Biden, during uh, the eight years that they were in power, appointed over 300 LGBTQ people, making up 8% of all federal appointments. That's huge because depending on some of the numbers you see on the population of LGBTQ people in America, um, uh, that number may be at 5%. So we could have had uh, uh, a percentage higher than a population center, which is huge. I was very grateful for that number because I was one of those appointees. That's what brought me to Washington, D.C. And let me tell you, it was the time of my life because I got to serve during the decision in 2015 to give us marriage equality. And I was at an agency that dealt with working with families mm-hmm. and we're going to start working with all families, adoption, mm-hmm. foster care, uh, every social program that it is to keep a family intact and, 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 and surviving in this uh, struggle in this economy, our programs touch those families. And now we could survive, uh, provide programs to every family, same sex families. And it was just amazing, amazing how we hit the ground running when that decision came down. All the LGBT people that were ready, we made it. We started like working on policy the the very next day. We actually were ready with that policy. We just had to start enacting it, you know? So it's a beautiful service that you provided. Yeah. Yeah. Biden's very lucky to have you now. Well, that's the reason why I, I wanted to work for Vice President Biden. That's the reason why I believe in Vice President Biden. You know, I, you and I were in the administration. You and I understood the hearts of both um, Barack Obama and Joe Biden and, and believed in the kind of America that they were trying to create for all of us. And we were a part of that journey. Like our stories were interwoven into the mission of the Obama-Biden administration. And knowing that Vice President Biden deeply cares about LGBTQ people, knowing that he um, will walk into the White House with the most um, pro-equality, comprehensive pro-equality plan ever presented by a presidential candidate means that we have a chance to really uplift our people in a way that is powerful and impactful and substantive. Um, So it was a no-brainer for me, you know, when when the vice president and his team sort of came to me with this opportunity that I was going to, you know, jump at it, uh, you know, obviously leaving my victory family was tough, but, uh, but, um, but they're with me on this journey too, right? We're all in this together as the last few days have uh, proven anything is that um, we all have a role to play in this election cycle. Um, so the, the, the work that our team has been, been doing, the LGBTQ for Biden team, has been trying to find, you know, where are where are our trans siblings? You know, where are our, our bi people? Where are our rural LGBTQ folks? Where are um, our LGBTQ educators? Where are um, um, where are all of the members of our community? Um, um, you know, so that in finding them, we can bring them into this family and really develop a program that reaches all of us. Um, you know, working with all of the organizations that do electoral work, uh, working with all of our stakeholders who know, you know, wh- what our people are talking about, um, what what's impacting their lives so that they can feel like they're creating 
um, not only the gov a government that listens to them and represents them and includes them, but um, that we are walking into a shared future together. That's the goal, is walking into a shared, uh, a, a, you know, a vision for the future that uh, gets us closer to what we want to see the country become. The queer vote is definitely engaged. I mean, this Democratic primary that we just went through, the majority of the candidates included pro-LGBTQ platforms. I mean, the ones that wanted to engage got that access to us, and we wanted to hear from them. How will candidate Joe Biden improve the lives of the LGBT community? This platform. Yeah, I, you know, so going back to the the plan that he's put forward, um, I have always, I think in this, in this age where there's so much information out there, it's been so important for our team to, to make sure that that plan is getting out far and wide. So people have an, an actual understanding of, um, or are able to uh, um, um, receive uh, the plan and, and be able to digest it and, and to read, read it because you know, we're really proud of it. Right. Um, if you were, if you were to summarize uh, Vice President Biden's plan uh, to advance equality into four points, this is what I would say to to anyone, which is that um, Joe Biden as president would protect LGBTQ youth. So that's be, that's doing everything from banning conversion therapy to um, to uh, tackling um, bullying and and instances of discrimination in schools. That is passing the Equality Act. Um, uh, you know, which is huge, which would ban discrimination against LGBTQ people um, um, in areas of housing and employment and education and other areas. Um, and thinking about Title VII, the rulings, the Supreme Court cases that have yet to be decided, that a decision on them will come down any day now, uh, the Equality Act might be and should be on top of everyone's minds who cares about LGBTQ people um uh, who are pro-equality voters because that might be our vehicle to banning discrimination once and for all it's making the u.s a leader again around the world uh, on equality i mean we've seen what happens to lgbtq siblings around the world um, um especially those who um, um are um are coming to the u.s uh, to become asylum seekers uh it's because their countries uh, their countries without the U.S. being a leader on this, it are willing to go forward with the kinds of discriminatory practices that, um, that, that, that we see too common in places that don't like our people or, or, or understand our people. Um, so it's making the U.S. A, lead, a leader in the world again on equality. Then in the fourth, which is, I think, so critically important here, is restoring and advancing and um, uh, um, uh, reinstating protections for LGBT, for trans Americans, um, given that this administration has intentionally attacked trans Americans, rolled back protections and rights for the kick trans people out of the military. Um, so we really, um, uh, uh, Vice President Biden wants to make that a priority. Um, but you know, I, those are among just few of the way, uh, ways in which like his plan will benefit uh, all LGBTQ people. This plan is also intersectional. It thinks about LGBTQ people with disabilities like myself and how we, how, how they thrive um, in, a, in an America in which he's president. Um, is thinking about, again, mentioning asylum seekers and dreamers 
Yeah, um, that's what I want, I want to talk about. How is this also going to reach out to transgender folks and undocumented immigrants that are feel, um, fleeing persecution? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You already told us the transgender community is going to benefit by having these protections reinstated. How about the undocumented? A absolutely. I, you know, um, there, this administration, uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump, doesn't see people in general. Uh, he, he, and then I think even worse, he is willing to um, make certain communities uh, expendable uh, in his agenda. Uh, rallying his base means that people in communities of people that he doesn't like ends up being the, the um, um, ends up being targeted by, by, by our government. Um, and, you know, when you think about um, undocumented immigrants, you think about all the people who make up the fabric of America, you know, undocumented immigrants are at the very top of that list, you know, contributing to every facet of society as anybody else in this country. And, and I think that what's troubling um, is that uh, we don't have a president that sees them and, and we don't have a president that is, uh, you know, um, uh, and worse, a president is willing to attack them and to attack immigrants. And this is Immigrant Heritage Month, right? So, exactly. along with Pride Month. So, um, th this should be the theme. A theme of this month is 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 talking about who actually makes this country great, right? Who yeah. is actually the, the in the fabric of this country? And then Vice President Biden has has said over and over again that protecting dreamers, protecting undocumented immigrants, ensuring that undocumented immigrants are, are, are um, brought into, um, you know, uh, that immigration reform is a, a top priority and that um, the, the, the voices of undocumented immigrants are included in every conversation that, that, uh, that his administration would have. And so, you know, that's sort of the promise from him, that is the promise from him um, going into 2021. There's so much, like you had mentioned earlier, that is going on. We got the pandemic. We have to deal with racial issues. They have long been ignored. And I'm glad that the people are rising up and addressing these things. And we're doing a self-check as well. We're trying to take inventory of what goes on in our own home that doesn't make us support other communities that are in need. So we're having this sort of like come to Jesus moment, you know, across the United States, uh, where we're, we're reevaluating our lives and, and our homes. And there's so many people that are unemployed. How do you compete with that? Because we're supposed to be in the middle of an election season. It's supposed to dominate the headlines. But right now, it's either we're learning about more cases of COVID or seeing riots and protests on the screen. So... I guess I, the original question was, what was going to be the most exciting thing about working on the historic campaign? I want you to answer that, but I also want you to answer how you deal with trying to compete with all that other stuff that's going on that's so important. So you're competing with a lot of stories. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing that, I, um, that I've come back to from time, um, time and time again on the uh, w you know within a short time I've been on this campaign um, is that I am working with a dedicated team of amazing Americans and, and amazing people 
who are um, thinking about all of our communities during this time. It, it, is, it is an extension of Vice President Biden's um, incredible way of reaching people and being and, and, and empathizing with people. Um, this campaign cares about the well-being of all of our peoples. Um, so, you know, for the better part of uh, the month uh, of April and May, you know, all the things that we did as a campaign um, stemmed around reaching out and asking how people people were doing, right? And it's like, how are you doing? What do you need? And what's happening in your community that we can help with? Um, because a part of running the presidential campaign is, is, is um, is being a part of the conversations that are happening in the communities that you seek to represent, right? It, you can't disconnect yourself from uh, people and what they're saying and what they're doing and what's happening around them or to them. And um, I think that I personally have been humbled by um, the, the fact that this that this pandemic has, um, you know, while we've been sort of thinking very um, uh, thinking a lot about uh, people and, and caring for people um, and, and making sure they have what they need is also understanding that there's so many barriers that we placed around each other um, when we were quote unquote in, in more normal times that that were artificial and, and, and you know reaching out to people and, and uh, talking to people and embracing people um, we had we've had to find different ways to do that during this time and i hope that when we you know come out on the other side of this we understand how important it is to be connected to one another um, and not place those barriers up those artificial barriers up so you know i think that the most exciting part is is joining in some really collaborative conversations really raw conversations with people about what does the united states of america look like in a post covid in a um post um uh, uh donald trump world right, right. i want to i want to know that <laughs> uh, well yeah and, and like that's what though that's kind of where i like to start conversations right is what what do you want to see in that world and 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 that's a great way of of, of uh working of you know talking about the vision and the plans that the vice president's put forward on so many different issues so we're talking about how they feel and and, 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 what, and, and the things that they're talking about in their communities on, on these same issues and, and, and really having a collaborative conversation about what's next. I just want to say uh, one thing that I admire about um, Pre uh, Vice President Biden is that even he recognizes the authority of the president, the, the respect of the, of the office. He did not automatically try to grandstand he allowed the president to address this issue first. I think he allows him to make his statement before he makes his statement. He's playing by the rules. And then the other side says, well, Joe Biden took two days to answer this to this catastrophe or this uh, emergency. No, he was giving you the space that you needed to do your job and he's respecting the office. And now he's giving out his statement a day later to ensure that the office is respected. So I got to give him credit that he still plays by the rules in this crazy world that we live in now where rules don't mean anything and, and the respect is no longer there. Um, well, I want to ask you a total different question regarding the election. A lot of people are united 
behind this candidacy because the alternative just it just scares people. Unlike the Clinton 26 primary, where people were still divided, and it kind of like jeopard it, it really hurt her in the general election. How will Biden keep up this unity going towards November? Because he can't take anything for granted. Right now, um, he's above on all the polls, like four to five points, which all of us are happy, but we just don't trust them. We don't trust the polls. And we'd be more comfortable if he was above by 10, <laughs> to be honest. But how is he going to try to keep this unity going towards November? Well, you know, and that that's a very, um, a very important question. And obviously, thinking about... Um, um, Thinking about you know polling right is is uh, polls don't vote right people do so you know as a campaign we thought about the people and where are people at and I think as important as Democrats as important as a as as a campaign really to think about what who are all the people who make up Joe Biden's winning coalition in November and they include a lot of people they include people who. Um, um, were uh, you know, are progressive and care about you know deeply have uh, strong um, uh, plans and policies to to advance progress and, and advance um, so many issues in the future. They are independents. They are Republicans who are fed up with Donald Trump and and, and fed up with this administration. They are LGBTQ people and 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 I've always been proud to. Um, and I am proud to be in the position in which I can say that LGBTQ people are, a, a, you know, a cent integral component uh, to Joe Biden's coalition for November. Um, they are, you know, black people and Latinx people, and and you know, and um, and women, and and thinking about that and thinking about people is is the way in which we'll win, um, and it's the way we'll unite too right is is going to people and saying you have a place in this campaign um uh as you've seen over the past month or so we've been able to roll out a lot of new policies we've been able to um join with senator sanders and announce some you know, unity task force um uh, initiatives around several issues that all people care about from the environment to health care um and we've been able to uh, bring in a lot of momentum um, from all of the events that I've seen Senator Warren do and, and, and Mayor Pete Buttigieg um, and Senator Harris and others, we're talking about the issues all together collectively um, that impact us, that the issues that we want to talk about. Um, I think all that matters. I think all that matters. And I think the, hard, the hardest part is, is, is making sure that message gets out to everyone. Again, I think this pandemic has... Um, um, you know, made us go to a virtual campaign, um, um, which has, you know, uh, has its limitations, also has its, its pluses. And so, you know, we, we are always thinking through what is the next step? How do we reach the, the next voter, right? We're not going to stop until we reach everybody. And, and, until, well, our, yeah. our, I'm glad that you're rolling out these things. People, the policies are important, but people are really ready for you to roll out the vice president. <laughs> when is that choice going to be made oh my goodness jesse i can't answer that I, I, <laughs> you already know the answer and, and, I, and i don't and i certainly don't even you know and i don't know i i know that the, the, the vice president is obviously like um um you know he has stated that he is committed to 
to, to having someone and a woman next to him that is, um, um, you know, provides the governing capabilities to allow us to restore the soul of this country, you know? And I, I think that's the real important part is the person that he picks is going to, you know, uh, be a great partner in helping us to uh, uh, walk us into that shared vision of the future that, that I like to talk about a lot. And, 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 and as the vice president says often, restoring the soul of this country is, is, is the only way in which we can sort of uh, pave the path forward to, to doing all the things that we want to do. So no June, July, or August. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I can't get you down to the time. Yeah, okay. no, Jesse, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> for those people who are still on the fence, still on the fence of if they should even bother the vote this November, what can you tell them about how a Biden presidency can change their life? I would say to look at the federal judiciary and to look at the Supreme, Supreme Court and to really take stock in the fact that if we don't elect Joe Biden and allow uh, a President Biden to appoint judges that are fair, uh, that believe that all of us belong to uh, this society, um, LGBTQ people at the top of that list, then um, you know we're really staring down a stark reality in which we're not able to, um, you know, th that where our rights are going to be rolled back and, 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 and the protections that we come to um, uh, think of as basic rights for our communities will be taking, taken away. And so, you know, I, I think that, um, again, and it's more than just voting against Donald Trump, it's voting for uh, a man who um, really does see all of us. And it's walking hand in hand with all the different communities, diverse in the diversity of our communities that make up the U.S. And um, I think that if people um, uh, are excited about the prospect of having a government that sees them again, then um, I think they will get excited about voting for Vice President Biden and voting for for pro equality and progressive candidates up and down the ballot. Um, and that's something, that's the first thing I would say to people. Um, and, and then I think the second thing is that um, I would encourage people who are talking to people who are on the fence to consider um, um, what they're saying when they're saying it. You know, I, I think that um, rhetoric matters. I think inclusivity matters and civility matters right now. Um, and I think that um, talking to people to understand where they're coming from allows you to have the kinds of, the kinds of conversations that you want to have. Um, and I think when people realize that um, for our side, we're talking about creating something bigger than our, ourselves, I think that's when people's minds start to change. Um, and um, uh, that, that's just one piece of advice I would give to folks who are talking to people who are on the fence. Um, but yeah, Jesse, I'm excited about the future that we can create together and taking this country back and um, creating something that our children, grandchildren, and friends, family can be proud of. Well, I'm proud of you, Reggie. I want to thank you so much for dedicating your life to good government, trying to find those individuals who are going to give us good policy that protects us and our families. And it's a hard job because not that many people like talking about politics. 
or getting in the middle of politic political fights. So thank you, Reggie, for caring enough to get into this profession and for taking on this important role of trying to connect the LGBT, LGBTQ community to the Biden campaign. It means a lot to me, and I hope that you're successful in November. Thank you, Jesse, for all you do. Um, and I'm so happy to have this conversation with you today. And we'll, we'll talk again. We will talk again, because there's going to be a lot to talk about uh, as the election uh, gets near. Um, thank you, and stay safe. You too.